Thanks for tuning into part two of what's work got to do with three decades at the Institute. On today's episode, we will highlight stakeholders in our community that have been critical and very important in the development of the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences research direction through the years. These stakeholders include State of Oregon's Management Labor Advisory Committee, or IMLAC, Oregon Occupational Safety and Health Administration, Oregon OSHA, and SAFE, Oregon's largest workers' compensation insurance providers. In addition to these stakeholders' involvement in shaping the direction of three decades of research in occupational health here at the Institute, these stakeholders have also contributed to guidance and development of Oregon Healthy Workforce Center, a NIOSH Total Worker Health Center of Excellence that is housed here at the Institute. On today's episode, we'll be interviewing Chuck Easterly, who previously served as the director for SAFE Safety and Health Workplace Center. SAFE was chartered more than 100 years ago to help make workers' comp insurance available, affordable, and keep rates low. And if we're going to do that effectively, we need to be a leader and an influencer in a much broader way than simply providing required safety and health services. Wellness programs are typically things we ask employees to do. And I think well-being and total worker health is about how do we take the workplace and help structure it environmentally to help support the worker in making good choices and being able to do the things they need to do and reducing stress and reducing fatigue, but leveraging the workplace to help the employee in that regard. Michael Wood, the administrator from Oregon OSHA. Ultimately, at the end of the day, our focus is on doing whatever we can to encourage employers and their workers to do whatever they can to eliminate hazards from the workplace, the kind of hazards that cause serious injury, serious illness, and even death. And Kathy Nishimoto from the State of Oregon's Management Labor Advisory Committee. I am a business representative, but I also am able to listen to the whole story and the whole issue, read the bill, do my research, to make the best decision for Oregon. Chuck Easterly previously served as the director for SAFE Safety and Health Workplace Center. SAFE is Oregon's not-for-profit workers' compensation insurance company and is also the largest workers' compensation insurance provider in the state. Since 1914, SAFE has been caring for injured workers and helping people get back to work. And together with their partners, SAFE's mission is to make Oregon the safest and healthiest place to work. Workers' compensation is designed to prevent or reduce worker injuries, provide appropriate medical treatment and benefits, help injured workers recover and return to work, and protect employers from legal action arising from a workplace injury. And also by law, most Oregon employers are required to have workers' compensation insurance policy or be self-insured. So if your business employs workers in the state of Oregon, you will likely need workers' compensation coverage. Chuck, thank you for, for joining us remotely. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. So you have been with SAFE for quite a while, so SAFE Corporation, for 18 years. Yes. I just retired in, in April after an 18-year career with SAFE. So when I arrived, my title was loss control manager at that point, and that's an insurance word, and it really doesn't convey much about what we're about. And uh, shortly after arriving, I actually changed the name of our so-called loss control consultants to safety management consultants to better describe our job. And I really like that name because I thought it conveyed some nuances of what it is we, we thought was important about safety management, which is our fundamental job, helping people understand how to create and sustain safe and healthy workplaces. 
But we're also management consultants because one of the most fundamental aspects of what makes workplaces safer and healthier is effective leadership. So, so safety management consultants uh, was uh, was a name change, and uh, over the years, we've our teams continue to grow. They've now got seventy five safety and health professionals on staff and offices throughout the state. And uh, in twenty seventeen. SAFE made some organizational changes that aligned all of those safety and health team members into a single division that we called the Safe and Healthy Workplace Center. And that name was chosen because that's what we aspire to do, which is create safe and healthy workplaces. And that's also when my title changed from loss control manager to a much better title, uh, the director of the Safe and Healthy Workplace Center. And as I mentioned, I retired in April and Pam R., who has spent 17 years uh, at SAFE, stepped into my role effective April 1st. And so uh, I've turned it over to a fabulous person and there's a great team that's still doing some really great work. That's great. Wow. Thank you. You know, I really appreciate your taking us through that journey because, you know, in addition to talking about how your role evolved at SAFE, I think the nice thing is that you touch on how these terms evolved also, how these titles evolved also. And I think especially for our audience who is more of a, uh, you know, just trying to understand the public um, health relevance, working and your work experiences and how that affects our whole safety, health and well-being. I think it's especially critical that, you know, uh, that organizations are able to speak to that. And I I especially liked how you said, you know, loss, loss control didn't quite fit. And then now you you want to evolve it towards safety management. And really with this new, with the director of the center as you are, it uh, it brings it all together. You want to ensure that workplaces have safe spaces for their for their employees. And, and that results in better health and better well-being overall. It sounds like it's been quite a journey. It has. It has. But it's been a good journey. And uh, I think yeah. all journeys have ups and downs. Uh, mm-hmm. And names are important. I think they convey a lot. So That is certainly the truth, isn't it? Names are very important. I agree with that. And I think we're learning more and more of that in our current landscape as well, I think, around well-being and what that means for all of Correct. us today. Correct. So SAFE has been Oregon's largest workers' compensation provider. This vision has, as you have mentioned, as you've shared, has been to make Oregon the safest and the healthiest state to work in. Uh, how have you seen that vision come to life during your time at SAFE? Yeah, that's been a uh, one of my favorite parts of the journey. Because when I came to SAFE uh, in 2002, I, I mentioned that I had spent two years with a national insurance carrier, and the contrast between that carrier and SAFE was just very stark. The other carrier was a shareholder-owned company, and they provided what I would consider to be the minimum required services. Uh, to their policyholders. And coming to SAFE, it was very clear that we were different. But one of the differences is that SAFE is a not-for-profit public corporation. When I came, SAFE had about 36% of the entire market share for workers' comp policies in Oregon. And now there's, they have over 53%, which just made it incredibly clear to me that we were in a great position to influence safer and healthier workplaces throughout Oregon regardless of whether they were our policyholders or not, uh, just because we would be able to partner with other organizations and we were large enough to have a voice in that discussion throughout Oregon. So because of our unique mission, our team recognized that we not only had a responsibility to our policyholders, but we had a responsibility to serve the people of Oregon. SAFE was chartered more than 100 years ago to help make workers' comp insurance available, affordable, and keep rates low. And if we're going to do that effectively, 
we need to be a leader and an influencer in a much broader way than simply providing required safety and health services. So we knew we had to be an influencer and a partner at a statewide level. And that's what led to the vision statement to make Oregon the safest place to work. And as we worked to fulfill that vision, it quickly became clear to us that if we're going to make it the safest place to work, we had to help people understand that choices about safety included safety and health. And on a 24-7 basis, and you, you really can't expect people to behave fundamentally different at work than they do off the job. And since so much of our life is spent at work, we also recognize that workplaces had a great opportunity to positively influence the health and safety and the well-being of their employees, both on and off the job. And it was that expansion in our focus that led us to expand our vision to include two new words, and that was to make Oregon the safest and healthiest place to work. That was also uh, the beginning of what we now call Total Worker Health, which is based on the NIOSH framework. And uh, even that led to the creation of, of a new position to help our safety and health team really expand our skills to understand how to be effective consultants for Total Worker Health. Um, so we created a position called a Total Worker Health Advisor. Uh, Deb Fell Carlson was our first advisor, and now Liz Hills in that role. And both have worked very effectively with your team and others to help us move that vision forward. But it's interesting, when we started talking about uh, what became Total Worker Health back in 2008, we were met with resistance. Uh, not everybody was on board, and that includes people at SAFE. It was much easier to talk about straightforward safety and health rules and regulations. There were a lot of people who felt like well-being touched too closely to wellness and that those were HR related things. And uh, it was it was an interesting journey. When I think about that journey, it was really uh, enabling people to understand the integration of safety, health and well-being as a as a 24-7 opportunity for us. And if we wanted to really make a difference, we really have an obligation to protect the long-term health of Oregon workers. And that's often thought of in terms of occupational health and industrial hygiene related things. But the thing that was more complicated, but also uh, more exciting was the well-being aspect, helping uh, supervisors, managers, owners, and other leaders uh, understand how things like stress and fatigue are huge contributors to workplace injuries and illnesses and, and how they can help their workers ease those issues in the workplace. And that's where we started working closely with staff from the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center to help educate our own team about health and well-being. And, and we also developed a ton of materials to help businesses and workers better understand what they could do. And uh, we don't have time to get into all the benefits of the total worker health approach, but we deeply believe in it. Uh, I will tell you that our commitment to total worker health and our vision to make Oregon the safest and healthiest state led to our selection, I should say, as uh, the first insurance company that uh, NIOSH selected in the United States to become a Total Worker Health affiliate. And then that led to another first in the nation partnership that occurred in 2017 when SAFE, Oregon OSHA, and the Oregon Institute formed that three-way Total Worker Health Alliance. And we'll talk more about that later, and I could go on and on, but uh, I think uh, what I've done is, is just provide you a broad overview. We took what we saw as an obligation to make a difference in the lives of Oregon workers and businesses and move that forward. And we've gone from calling things loss control, very insurancy, to 
a safe and healthy workplace center with a team that's looking at how do we make a difference 24-7 in the lives of people. That's something that our team is genuinely engaged in and excited about. And when you have a passion to make a difference in the lives of people, I think that's worth getting up in the morning for. So our vision is not just words on a piece of paper or something you see on the wall when you walk into our building. It is something that uh, safe employees live and believe in uh, and try to act on every single day. So that's that's the journey that we've been on. Wow. That's lovely. <laughs> Thank you. That was that was a lot. And I think so incredibly well captured. And it really speaks to how, as you as you said at the end, you know, you start from loss control and you think of this as a business and a corporation, but pretty quickly it becomes about so much more when you realize how much of an impact you can make. And I think it just speaks to what a great partner SAFE has been. And thank you for doing part of our job and to, and to talking about what Total Worker Health is and what worker well-being is, because that's really, I think, we, we, we have come together so, on so many different avenues and so many different opportunities to work together and what all of this has meant. I'll bring up the next question, but there is a follow-up to that I want to ask about. But for now, uh, let's move into this construct of Total Worker Health. And uh, as you mentioned, SAFE has become part of the Oregon uh, Total Worker Health Alliance between OSHA, um, SAFE, of course, and then the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences, of which the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center is a part of. So we conduct research, outreach, and education around total worker health, this idea that safety and health and well-being all come together and our lives at work are very closely related to lives at home. And so it's important to integrate injuries and, you know, prevention of injuries and falls and trips with more, as you said, Chuck, some of these psychosocial uh, factors like job stress, which has become incredibly impactful. Uh, could you speak to how this partnership evolved and what it has meant and what it means today for worker safety, health and well-being? Yes, absolutely. Well, when I came to SAFE in, in uh, 2002, it's very obvious that we had two big Oregon partners working alongside us in the safety and health arena. And Oregon OSHA was one. And and the other was what was then known as, as CROAT at OHSU. CROAT was the former name of the institute. It was the Center for Research on Occupational and Environmental Toxicology. And I'm glad that we only used the acronym most of the time because that's a mouthful. And then the name was changed several <laughs> yeah. years ago to the Oregon Institute for Occupational Health Sciences. And while CROAT was easier to pronounce, I absolutely love the uh, focus of the Institute. And so SAFE's been collaborating with the Institute for years on research or dissemination of information, education, conferences. I've been a member of the uh, of your external advisory board since 2005. And uh, in some of that work early on in 2008, uh, it was SAFE, Oregon OSHA, and the Institute that played lead roles in creating what's now called the Oregon Young Employee Safety Coalition. So that's just, I mean, we've been partners for years. In 2011, a new team at the Institute was funded by NIOSH, and that became the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center. Um, that was a NIOSH Total Worker Health Center of Excellence, one of only four at the time in the U.S. There are now six. But having one of only four centers of excellence right in our backyard was an amazing opportunity for partnership, especially as SAFE was still in the early stages of our shift toward total worker health. And I would say that Michael Wood, the administrator of Oregon OSHA, has been a longtime member of your external advisory board and his organization, and Michael as a person, have been wonderful leaders in the safety and health community. And 
SAFE commonly sponsors many of the Oregon OSHA safety and health conferences around the state each year, and the Institute's always a part of that. So we are together. The three organizations have common goals, but very different strengths. And coming together as a three-way Total Worker Health Alliance was a great way to leverage the strengths of our three organizations to really make a difference in making Oregon safer and healthier for all workers. And I just want to give a shout out to Terry Watson at Oregon OSHA because she was the one that initiated the conversations about maybe we should look at an alliance and creating that. And in February of 2017, I had the privilege of being one of the three signers of the new Total Worker Health Alliance with our three organizations. And as I said, this was the first one in the U.S. It provided us with common language and vision. It aligned us with NIOSH and their total worker health efforts. And it provided us with new opportunities to share what each organization was doing to support total worker health. We meet regularly to discuss what each organization is doing and how we can further collaborate to advance total worker health in Oregon without duplicating what one's already doing. We share what we do. And that led to the development of total worker health curriculum to help employees and management better understand what total worker health is all about and how they can implement practical solutions in their workplaces. And it was really great to have all three organizations collaborate on the creation of these materials and presentations. Those have been presented at numerous conferences and they're continuing to expand Uh, I think the Alliance has given voice to a much broader set of issues that impact worker safety, health, and well-being. It's created a tighter synergistic collaboration of the three organizations who are the leaders in Oregon safety and health. Together, we're helping employers and workers better understand what it truly takes to make workplaces safer and healthier. We're expanding available resources through our very dissemination channels. We're using the Total Worker Health Curriculum to train and empower others to carry these messages into workplaces throughout Oregon. And, and I think that what we're doing is much more powerful and effective than something that any one of us could do on our own. So that's what I see as uh, what that partnership has meant. And uh, quite frankly, I, I think we're just getting started. So I'm excited to see what's what's ahead. That's that's just the way. It's really great to hear you talking about bringing it all together and talking about this vision for worker well-being. You know, in some ways, worker well-being is a mammoth effort. Even at SAFE, you, you mentioned how it took some convincing within your organization to move from loss control to safety management to now think of thinking of worker well-being as a whole. And it takes the effort of many people, many dedicated, many advocates for this, many organizations, many community members. And, you know, this has taken shape so beautifully in the Total Worker Health Alliance, as, as you just shared. So what are some some of the challenges to making change? What are some of the barriers to making this change and to making local well-being front and center? And as you said, we're just getting started. So what are some of the things that we can look forward to as we all work together on this mission? No, that's a good question. And challenges, we're seeing them begin to, well, I think not just begin to, but we're seeing them erode. But early on, traditionally, workplace safety was viewed as, hey, this is about helping people not encounter dangers in the workplace. So I'm going to make sure they don't cut their arm off in a saw or fall uh, without fall protection. When you talk about stress and fatigue, many people see those as, well, that's, there are many stressors. Many of them happen outside of the work environment. They happen at home. But 
the workplace, first of all, is a contributor to fatigue. Uh, sometimes that's done through how we schedule shifts um, and uh, the number of hours we have people working, but and working, uh, you know, in terms of second shift, third shifts, uh, those those impact people. And when we don't even take that into consideration, uh, we're putting people at risk. And all the safety and health rules uh, in the world are not going to uh, stop the the impact of that fatigue. So we have to understand uh, what it is if we're going to combat it. If we truly care about protecting our workers, then that means we might have to educate them on how to get sleep. What we also need to look at, what can we do systemically? What can we do as an employer to help reduce the effect of shift work uh, on on employees and uh, and the uh, fatigue or stress that that causes. Uh, stress factors such as uh, financial stress, marital stress, uh, uh, families that are dealing with uh, significant illnesses, that's not the quote employer's fault, but those impact the employee. And making services available that help people cope with those things, providing uh, counseling, providing educational materials and sessions is a way to help reduce that stress. And I think if you, if we all reflect, we, we know that uh, we have had times where stress has impacted us or somebody we know in a significant way, and it, it's a distraction. And often, uh, as I've looked at workplace injuries and, and worse fatalities, uh, fatigue or um, stress where it's created a distraction and caused somebody to make a mental error that they wouldn't have made otherwise uh, are just huge contributors to, uh, to the workplace injuries. And if we truly want to make Oregon the safest and healthiest place to work, if we truly believe that all workplace injuries can be prevented. Well, we have to look at all of the factors that are uh, in play and um, well-being is a part of that. And on the positive side, if we can engage workers in a way that they genuinely believe we care and they enjoy coming to work, they are being supported, they see it as a family, they're going to put more of themselves into that work. They're going to be more productive. They are going to be more loyal. We reduce turnover. When you reduce turnover, you reduce injuries because you don't have employees that your that new employees tend to be injured at about twice the rate of tenured employees because they're learning and they're not familiar with things. So uh, some of the challenge has been to get people to recognize that those things are things that we should be talking about. Some of the challenge has been that they have been historically linked to things that most people would think of as wellness. And some of the problem there is that wellness programs are typically things we ask employees to do. And I think well-being and total worker health is about how do we take the workplace and help structure it environmentally to help support the worker in making good choices and being able to do the things they need to do and reducing stress and reducing fatigue, but leveraging the workplace to help the employee in that regard. So that's the future. I think employers are seeing the benefit of it. And I think as workers 
see that in other workplaces, they will have expectations for that as they continue to move on and, and uh, go to different workplaces. Uh, I think that that's the, the reality. I think we're just moving forward in that realm where uh, workplace safety, health, and well-being are just natural integrated parts of how we view the workplace. That's wonderful. Yep. And that is exactly moving from beyond words on a paper to, to this vision. And and really, it's not so much a vision now, is it? And we realize more and more that work and, and our lives come together in so many ways. And I think in your point of how fatigue and stress really helps identify, it brings both of those realms, work and outside of work, both those realms together at once. Right. And it's so on some level, it's so intuitive. And I think that the more and more that's out there, the more and more natural that becomes of a way to conceptualize the workplace. And I especially liked when you um, distinguish between wellness, which is more at the level of the work and what they can do to improve their own health and safety and well-being to to well-being, to where the work environment is this place where we spend so much of our time together. And hence, it impacts who we are and how we feel and how we can be and how well we can thrive. And um, Chuck, that was just, thank you for bringing it all together. As maybe a closing point, the reason for this podcast in celebration of our 30 years at the Institute, and during that time at the Institute, our rich partnership with SAFE. And yet here we are 30 years later, we're at a at a critical point where we're facing the pandemic. We're, we're at home. We are dealing with so much uncertainty from COVID-19 and, and work as we know it has kind of, it's turned on its head and the workplace as we know it is turned on its head. Would you like to share something about how we deal with worker safety and health at a, at a time like this? Well, this is one of the craziest times uh, it is the craziest time uh, in my life from a, uh, dealing with a pandemic and all of the things that we typically see uh, and just saw as normal. Uh, but the good news is that I think it's opened our eyes to uh, things that we've we've just accepted as this is the way it this is natural. This is normal. Uh, people have talked about, hey, I'd like to get back to normal. I, I don't know that we do want to get back to normal because normal is what got us here. This has pushed a lot of workers into working at home, and that's pushing the boundaries of, uh, I talk about 24-7 work. Well, when workers are at home, their work environment is now being, is, is their home environment, but it's being influenced in a big way by whatever corporation company they still work for, making sure that workplaces at home uh, are safe and healthy. And, and that is not new to us with telecommuting has been around for a long time, but it's just been expanded to such a great degree. Stress, separating work and uh, home when you're there, helping workers uh, understand that we're going to support them uh, and that a traditional 40-hour work week, which means hey, you're going to come in and work Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 or whatever. Uh, well, that's really hard to do when you're at home and your kids have been uh, taken out of school and they're, you're now responsible. So how do I change that to an environment that says, here's the work we need you to do, and we're going to empower you to structure your day in whatever way it works so that you can do 
what you need with your family and take on those responsibilities and get your job done. Talk about integrating home and work, a responsibility that employers haven't historically had to do. But we're pushing new boundaries. And if we're going to be successful in this world, we've, we've got to be able to do it. Safety and health professionals are learning a whole lot more about infection control and uh, how, to, how to stop the spread of disease. So um, we're growing. And I, I just think that's, uh, that's another area that, uh, that this has enabled us to expand and grow. So, Angela, I don't know if I've done a great job answering that question, but those are the top things that came to mind as uh, I was just thinking about your question. You went so well uh, beyond what I was looking for. It, it, it was great. It was, I think you touched on everything that we're all thinking, we're all feeling, we're all experiencing. And I know you will continue being a great advocate for Total Worker Health. You certainly have been. And it's been such a pleasure working with you. And it's been such a pleasure being on this podcast with you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I uh, I did retire, but I'm not at all done. I, you can tell there's mm-hmm. a passion inside of me. Oh, yes. I, I care mm-hmm. deeply. There's no retirement on passion, is there? So thank you. Michael Wood is the administrator for Oregon OSHA. The mission of Oregon OSHA is to advance and improve workplace safety and health for all workers in the state of Oregon. In 1970, the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Act became part of national labor law in 1971. Two years later, Oregon passed its very own workplace safety and health law, the Oregon Safe Employment Act, or OSEA. The state law authorized Oregon OSHA to enforce statewide workplace safety and health rules. Oregon OSHA is part of the Oregon Department of Consumer and Business Services and provides consultation, enforcement, laboratory, public education, and also development of resources and guides available to organizations. Thank you, Michael, for taking the time to join us today on our podcast. Michael, you have been an administrator at Oregon OSHA for almost 15 years now. Can you tell us more about yourself and also share with our listeners on your role within Oregon OSHA? Uh, Certainly. I'm happy to do that. So I actually became a workplace health and safety professional a little bit sideways. I was a manager within the state of Washington, and I had been in a variety of positions and ultimately ended up within the WISHA services division up there, which is essentially Washington State's version of Oregon OSHA, not nearly as good as us. And so I began working in safety and health a little over 25 years ago. And then I had the chance to come down and be part of the Oregon program 15 years ago. And I already knew it was an outstanding program, certainly one of the the top programs in the country. And really, my role here is to try to get the staff what they need to continue doing the excellent work that they do and to try to stay out of the way when they're doing that work. The truth is, we've got an extraordinary commitment to the mission of workplace health and safety within within this division and then this program, and I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm very lucky to work with very bright people, very capable people and very passionate people who take this job seriously day in and day out. That makes it a, an easy day to come to work any day of the week. Thanks so much for sharing that, Michael. And um, it's part of the Oregon Department of Consumer and Business Services that you provide consultation, enforcement, and a lot of public education, as well as resources 
uh, available to the public businesses, employers around the state of Oregon. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, we're really a full service shop and we have been for the, the 30 years since the Mahonia Hall reforms. Oregon OSHA in its current incarnation really grew out of that comprehensive effort to reform the workers' compensation system. And one of the critical insights of that group, uh, and it's reflected not only in our program, but in the staffing at an organization like SAFE, one of the critical recognitions was that the way to prevent costly workers' compensation claims is by preventing the injury or the illness in the first place. And there are a lot of folks who will pay lip service to that. I have to say, here in Oregon, it is baked into the system. It really is something that labor and business and those of us at Oregon OSHA recognize as being a critical part of our success. And so we do provide consultation. We have a lot of consultants. We have a lot of educational resources. We increasingly have a pretty sophisticated online and video library of training. And we do enforcement, of course. We are an enforcement agency and a regulator but we really pride ourselves that even those enforcement contacts are opportunities for education and to persuade people not only about what the rules are, but why the rules exist and why it's worth paying attention to them. Ultimately, at the end of the day, our focus is on doing whatever we can to encourage employers and their workers to do whatever they can to eliminate hazards from the workplace, the kind of hazards that cause serious injury, serious illness, and even death. That's a mission that it's easy to sink your teeth into. Yeah, no, that's great. And of course, much needed, you know, nationally and, and beyond. And here at the Institute, we share those same values. In your experience and your time at OSHA, can you share some examples of some policy and regulations that you've seen really come out of the work at Oregon OSHA? Certainly. I mean, one of the challenging things in any occupational safety and health program is getting our hands around workplace health, dealing with health risks, identifying health hazards, and figuring out how to address them. We know from systematic research that they are real and they are very real, but they aren't as immediate. And so they don't show up in the workers' comp claims. They're not really front of mind to people who are tracking the injury and illness logs. And we've done a number of things in the last 15 years to try to tackle those issues. We changed our inspection scheduling system so that it wasn't reliant on workers' compensation data in order to do health targeting. If you rely on workers' compensation data, it means you do a great job of targeting hearing conservation risks, but you do a very poor job of targeting anything else, including cancer risks and other long-term disease risks. And so we also uh, have set out to update some of the standards that are most out of date. One of the real problems is that the OSHA permissible exposure limits that we have by and large adopted by reference here in Oregon, those are grossly out of date in some cases. And while we recognize that we can't fix all of those problems, we also recognize that we do have the capability to tackle one or two of them at a time. And we've just begun to finalize the manganese rule that really is focusing on welding risks. And we're also going to be tackling lead and we're gonna just continue to chip away at those to try to update our requirements and better reflect the risks as they exist in the workplaces. 
We tackled pesticides. Uh, we're actually one of only two workplace health and safety programs in the country that regulates pesticides in the OSHA context. And we updated our requirements. It was a two-year process and two rulemaking projects a couple of years ago. But I think that that's going to result in better protections in agriculture and for agricultural workers to some very real risks. And of course, right now, we're dealing with health hazards in a, in a way that we never really fully anticipated. Even when people would talk about infectious disease as a risk, they tended to talk about it as a risk in healthcare. And one of the things that the current pandemic has made clear is we need to think about it in grocery stores, in restaurants, on manufacturing, in, in food packing lines. We need to think about it in sawmills. Those certainly aren't places where we really thought about the risks of infectious diseases. But one of the things that we have certainly learned over the last six months is how real those risks are and how real those risks can be in the workplace. Absolutely. Definitely a lot of change in landscape of safety and health and exposures in the workplace have certainly evolved just, you know, this year alone. As occupational health and safety as a whole is evolving, it's dynamic, it's multifaceted. Organizations, stakeholders, we all need to come together. Lawmakers, regulators, researchers like ourselves here at the Institute have to work close together to make change. In creation of this alliance, what have you seen in the change uh, that has come about Oregon's efforts in improving the health and safety of the workers? I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. And, you know, I suppose we all like to think of ourselves as visionary. And there are times when I, I can honestly say that I've been in the vanguard. When it comes to total worker health, uh, unfortunately, I have to admit that I was, I was a little bit of a late convert uh, compared to some other folks, including Chuck Easterly in particular. And I suppose that, that really comes out of the regulatory framework that we at Oregon OSHA and that any workplace health and safety program from a regulatory standpoint has to operate. We focus on the workplace and we focus on the worker. We can't address and we certainly can't demand that employers address risks away from the workplace. And so we, we really tend to be compartmentalized or siloed and, and focused too closely on just what happens at work. And I think one of the great insights of the total worker health movement is that the worker is an individual, that we're talking about a person and they face risks that can compound from the workplace to home. It's more than just, gee, if you're going to use your ladder safely at work, you should use it safely at home. The sorts of risks and stressors that occur at home can compound somebody who's under a great deal of stress or who isn't getting enough sleep, that can show up in, in very practical workplace safety risks on the job. At the same time, somebody who has dangerous exposures at work um, can take those home or they can be compounded by exposures at home. And the notion that we can sort of deal with, with both sides of, of a human being as though they're completely separate and distinct, I think is, is mistaken. And again, to, to look at our experience with the pandemic, the reality is that we see it in some of the worst outbreaks. Outbreaks will begin in the workplace at times and then carry into the community and become focal points for community spread. And in other ways, we have outbreaks that have begun with some community contact, but then have gotten focused in particular workplaces. And we've seen that spread occur as well. 
it's a reminder to all of us that none of our lives are compartmentalized. And of course, as so many of us are working at home now, as I sit here in, in my house during this interview, it's another reminder that the sharp distinction that we tend to think of and that we have to think of from a regulatory standpoint, but the sharp distinction between work and away from work isn't real. It's not how most of us think about our lives. It's certainly not how we live our lives. And the total worker health movement provides a language and a strategy and an effort to address those issues in a way that I think can't help but benefit us both at work and at home. Yeah, thanks, Michael. You said that really nicely, and I, I couldn't agree more with um, you mentioning that our lives cannot be compartmentalized. There is no separation between work and home life, that they all intersect in some manner, and that the, there are many factors that can impact employee safety, health, and well-being, and in just how we interact at work and how our managers interact with us. So what has been your favorite thing about working at Oregon OSHA? Well, I probably already mentioned my favorite thing, which it's the commitment of the individuals in this organization. There's an extraordinary commitment and it reflects in the work that we do. Even when we're, you know, we may be going at it hammer and tongs with one another over the, the best strategy, I treasure that because that's a reflection of commitment. The reason that we argue with each other, the reason that we argue with each other vigorously within the organization at times, it's because we know the work's important, so the strategies are important. And I would much rather work with people who who get upset and maybe even unreasonable on occasion in the pursuit of an important mission than work in an organization where everybody was relaxed because they really didn't care about the job. Top to bottom, the folks in Oregon OSHA care about the job, and that's really probably the thing that I value the most. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we just appreciate your time and your willingness to help improve and make an impact to the workplaces around Oregon. Well, it's time well spent. The Institute is an extraordinary resource to Oregon OSHA and to the state of Oregon more broadly and, and really to the country and the world when it comes to not only the research you do, but the, the, the sort of research to practice approach that really endeavors to put the theory into practice and get genuine results. Thank you, Michael, for your time today. Let's let's make this place a safer and healthier place to work. Absolutely. Kathy Nishimoto is the Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Duckwall Pooley Fruit Company. She also serves on the State of Oregon's Management Labor Advisory Committee, or IMLAC. IMLAC was created by the Oregon Legislator as part of reform for the workers' compensation system in 1990 as part of the Mahonia Hall Report. This forum gives the opportunity for business and labor to meet and explore and resolve issues involving the workers' compensation system. Thank you, Kathy, for joining us today. IMLAC is definitely an important part of Oregon protecting workers' rights as well as giving workers' compensation reform in the state of Oregon. Thank you for having me. I just love making a difference for our workers in Oregon. My job on AMLAC is to look at all the bills that are coming through for um, the legislators so they don't have to vet it all out. We look at that and we have subcommittees if it's uh, more detailed than we could do in just a meeting. 
and review everything that's presented to us, listen, listen to the constituents on both sides of the bill. And once we get all that, um, we meet together and uh, make a decision on whether we will support the legislation or not. Uh, we do a lot of great work at MLAC. We listen to both sides and we try to make a balance on any of our decisions between worker safety and the businesses in Oregon. I've been in HR and safety for 35 years now. MLAC in general, they tend to meet quite often. MLAC's website is publicly accessible. You know, you can, you know, anybody can view the meetings that take place. In terms of the bill, is it in one meeting or does it usually take multiple meetings for MLAC to come together to make a decision? When we look at bills, it's all worker comp. It's all worker related. That's the only bills we look at. And it depends. So in the past, we needed more background and more research. So the department will get that for us. And that's why we have subcommittees. So the subcommittees to these bills, like the attorney bill or the PPD award bill or um, the death benefit bill, we met almost weekly for months reviewing all the data before we made a decision on those bills. So I don't think I've ever been to a meeting where we saw the bill and made a decision in that first meeting. We've, we've really vetted out. So we make sure that we're making the right decision for the workers, for the business, and for the state of Oregon. When we're in session, we meet every Friday. And we haven't started this year yet because of COVID, but it is pretty regular. And uh, the meetings are in Salem, typically, and I live in Hood River, work in Hood River, so it's kind of a, a little jaunt to drive there, but I prefer to be there to listen to the constituents' testimony firsthand. We have bills typically come before MLAC. We vet them out. I think, you know, since I'm a management member, so there's five management members and five labor members that represent labor. I don't think of it going in, oh, I'm a management member, so I have to protect the businesses in Oregon at any cost. I take that hat off when I go in. Yes, I am a business representative, but I also am able to listen to the whole story and the whole issue, read the bill, do my research to make the best decision for Oregon, not just the workers and not just the businesses, but for both equally. And that's a big job. That's a really big job. We've done some great work with death benefits. We've done great work with attorney fees, worker awards. It's really hard, <laughs> difficult, but it's very rewarding. Thanks so much for sharing that, Kathy, and a time commitment to be a part of these efforts. And so we appreciate you for helping with that process of protecting the worker and hearing these organizations bring up these types of concerns in their workplaces to make change and policy change, because that's the ultimate goal. You know, having to hear out the, the worker and the organizations is something that we really value here as an organization, too. And our institute has worked with IMLAC to help identify and report on issues pertinent to the worker compensation system here in Oregon. Can you talk a little bit about your experience working with the Institute and your partnership and how you feel like it's contributed to worker safety, health, and well-being since you've been a part of it? Yeah, sure. So OHSU, you guys have the medical background. You have the resources to do research and delve into it really deep. I don't have that. Nobody on the committee has that ability. 
even if we did, we couldn't do it on our own. So I really appreciated. I mean, I could call you folks at any time, get some data, get some information, uh, get some help. If I don't understand the medical part of it, I'll call up and get help understanding that side so that when we do make a decision, when we are required to vote, I have a really well-rounded background so I can make a very thoughtful decision on any legislation that's going to go through. I think Oregon is really super successful in their workers' comp and worker safety. We have so many partners in the state that help keep our workers safe. And I know uh, at Duckwall, Fred Duckwall, the uh, outgoing president, he's going to retire someday soon. He always said, we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And then you don't have to remember if OSHA shows up or Bully shows up because you're always doing the right thing. And the right thing is for the employees. And that really hit home. And that's what I do when I work on stuff with MLAC and with worker safety. Yeah, it certainly takes a collaborative effort. Without the support of MLAC the last 30 years, our, our institute certainly cannot have made the strides in terms of making progress in the research that we're doing. Thanks for sharing information on MLAC. Information like this is, is necessary to learn more about the integration of how Oregon works together as a whole. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're listening to What's Work Got to Do With It, your go-to resource on all things workplace safety, health, and well-being. This has been an episode of our podcast series where we invite you into the conversation as we discuss how our workplace conditions like work hours, occupational stress, job safety, and other issues affect our lives at home and at work. We go into the science behind it all and talk about what we can do to reduce work-related risk and promote well-being. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is a production of the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences and is hosted and directed by Helen Chuckers, Sam Greenspan, and Anjali Ramishbabu. Our mission at the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences is to improve the lives of workers through biomedical and occupational research. Home to over 75 scientists and research staff, the Institute explores a range of questions related to the prevention of work-related injury and disease and promotion of health in the workplace. Do you have an idea for a podcast episode? Want to hear from you on important workplace issues that you would like to discuss? Email us at occhealthsci at ohsu.edu. Subscribe to the Oregon in the Workplace blog or our social media channels at facebook.com slash occhealthsci.ohsu or follow us on Twitter at ohsuochhealth to stay updated on current research, resources, news, and community events.